Welcome to another episode of the Public Health Inside Podcast. In this episode, we delve into the latest news and trends shaping the way we think about public health and the world around us. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. My name is LaShawn, your host for this episode, alongside my co-host, Gordon. We have a fantastic lineup of intriguing topics that are sure to get you thinking. We'll start off by exploring the connection between electric vehicles and improved air quality, and what that means for our health. Next, we'll consider what might happen if the amount of sodium in pre-packaged foods were reduced across the entire continent. And finally, we'll discuss why technology can't be the sole solution to the digital divide. Let's get it. A recent study by researchers from the Keck School of Medicine of USC has provided real-world evidence of the health benefits of electric vehicle adoption. By comparing data on EV registration, air pollution levels, and asthma-related emergency room visits across California between 2013 to 2019, the researchers found that as electric vehicle adoption increased, local air pollution levels and the emergency room visits dropped. The study also revealed an adoption gap between low-resource zip codes and more affluent areas, highlighting the opportunity to restore environmental justice in communities disproportionately affected by pollution and related health problems. Now, the researchers hope to conduct follow-up studies to examine additional types of pollutants and other classes of vehicles. So Gordon, what's your reaction to that? Two main things stand out. First is the adoption gap that you reference. Mm. So the adoption gap speaks to the reality that zero emission vehicles Mm-hmm. Costs more than the traditional vehicles that we're used to, and there is a greater ability for those in more affluent areas to acquire those vehicles. So I would say that we're not close for this to be an equitable solution just yet, and you might find in the short term that the more affluent communities will continually disproportionately benefit from the adoption. The second thing, however, that I'll finish up with is this also gives an insight onto the fact that there can be local solutions to climate change. Mm -hmm. And that's something that stood out when I read it, that you can see direct benefits in your immediate community through some different interventions of which adoption of electric vehicles are one of them. Yeah, exactly. And again, like a Tesla costs $100,000, so... People can't afford that. And I really like your point about the local level solutions that Mm. can improve overall health. So it's just really cool how things you could do in your own community could have a powerful effect in your local region. So it it took place in California, I believe, this real life study. One of the things that came to mind as I read the article was around what are the other factors that might have accounted for some of these observations? Because it was just a study of association. Mm-hmm. So things like, are there different policies or bylaws in different regions that allowed for a better uptake of zero emission vehicles? And that 
deserves to be explored further. Reducing sodium in packaged foods in Australia to meet World Health Organization benchmarks could save around 1,700 lives per year and prevent nearly 7,000 diagnoses of heart disease, kidney disease, and stomach cancer, according to a new study published in the American Heart Association journal, Hypertension. Most sodium in people's diets come from processed and packaged foods, and reducing sodium in packaged foods is considered by the WHO as a best buy to prevent diseases related to high sodium intake. The Australian government established a voluntary reformulation program for 27 packaged food categories, while the WHO benchmarks include 58 packaged food categories. LaShawn, what's your take on this? It's a very interesting large-scale approach. And when we talk about public health, these are these large population levels. And in this case, Australia, continent-level changes. Mm -hmm. So through this research study, like you mentioned, 1,700 lives can be saved, and it could prevent the diagnoses of 7,000 instances of heart disease, kidney disease, and stomach cancer. And from a public health perspective, that's huge, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically saying that reducing to this prescribed amount in these packaged or prepackaged foods, you can have all these health benefits. Now, people might wonder, you're reducing the salt content of all these foods that I love. It's going to taste completely different. Mm. Are they going to enjoy that? I would say, too, in parallel, this has been tried for different chemicals. If you think about the state of New York, when they reduce the size of their the pops or soda, it reduces sugar content in those, too, right? If you have smaller drinks, you consume less sugar. And that was in response to an issue that they were having with the population being overweight or disproportionately having diabetes as well as obesity. So this is not something new that's being tried, but I think what comes to mind is the potential paternalistic nature of the state mm -hmm. imposing restrictions on what would normally be considered freedom of choice. But I think the important thing here is this is more of a mechanism to hold manufacturers of food accountable for making the foods as healthy as possible and so as not to discriminate against people who maybe can't afford anything else besides processed food. And what you're alluding to is one of our episodes where we previously talked about health taxes, health taxes. which is basically taxes imposed on unhealthy products to make it less affordable and the less appealing option. Yeah. So this study basically takes it a step above that and directly tackles the manufacturers instead of having the increased burden or cost on the customers and consumers. Yeah, and what we always talk about in public health too is the health promotion piece, which this initiative and this approach fits into health promotion. We have to realize that food literacy and nutrition literacy is a gap in our populations too. And not everybody is going to have a smart watch to be able to count their calories and know what's healthy and what's not healthy and proper intake and stuff like that. So it's up to us as health professionals to make the healthy choice the easy choice. New research conducted on Bhutanese refugee communities in Columbus has revealed that the digital divide is more than just a technological problem. 
Although more than 95% of the population had access to internet, few were using it to connect with local resources and online news, and almost three quarters of the respondents never used the internet for telehealth services. The study also found that the digital divide is influenced by social, cultural, and environmental factors. The research team has emphasized the importance of engaging and partnering with communities to ensure proposed solutions to problems respond to local needs. The study also highlights that the provision of access to the internet alone does not solve the issue of the digital divide. Gordon, what's your take on this? One of the things that stood out to me is exactly what the punchline you mentioned in there about technology itself does not solve the problem. And what does that really mean? So what they're really getting at here is we can increase access to technology such as the internet, but it doesn't necessarily then mean that we've successfully bridged the digital divide because the digital divide, through the lens of this article, involves two components, the access to the technology itself, which they talk about, as well as the digital literacy about knowing what you can access through those technologies, and that seems to be what's lacking. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, the social, cultural, and environmental reasons of why people don't mm-hmm. access certain things. And in this specific community, in some of the surveys and feedback that was given, they were talking about using the internet specifically to connect with others on Facebook mm-hmm. and on different social media platforms. And they didn't really see it for any other purposes other mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, the limitless possibilities of the internet speaks to that same thing as well. An awareness of what can be accessed from having the technology and then the language piece, which also came out in the article. A lot of the resources around health are primarily developed in English when we're talking about English-speaking countries and then have to be translated through different resources online, Google Translator and other means. And the technology isn't quite there for effective translations. And oftentimes it renders those information and resources useless in a different language when translated from English. So that's another component too. Our systems need to do a better job at translating or creating resources innately in those languages from the beginning with intention and purpose so that those people who are looking to benefit from these can benefit. Yeah, it's just another really good example of you can get all this innovation in the world to do whatever you want it to. And if you just toss it into a community, you need to consider other factors, the implementation side of it. Why aren't people using it? What are the barriers? What are the bottlenecks? You know, so it's, it's a really interesting read. Lots of work left to bridge a digital divide for sure. Today, we talked about electric vehicles and their link to less air pollution. We talked about what would happen if sodium in packaged foods was reduced for an entire continent. And then we closed by talking about why technology alone cannot solve the digital gap. All the links for all the articles we talked about are in the description. Until next time, peace. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.